Welcome to the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast on Valentine's Day, the 14th of February 2024. I'm Andy Eubank. Happy Valentine's Day. The Hat Podcast is brought to you by First Farmers Bank and Trust. Experience banking built on heart, grit, and agriculture. FFBT.com to learn more. C.J. Miller and Sabrina Halverson coming up today with the news, including how Purdue is addressing the need for more veterinarians and an update on USDA's federal milk marketing order. Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin says mostly calm today, maybe some rain tomorrow. And Tuesday, soybean futures moved lower. Arlen Suderman checks in with market analysis on the Hoosier Ag Today Wednesday podcast. At First Farmers Bank and Trust, we know that when agriculture thrives, we all do. It's the heart and grit of our agricultural communities that keep the crops coming in and the livestock cared for day and night. That's why we build financial solutions around the needs and schedules of our ag clients. If you're looking for a financial partner that has over 135 years experience in understanding and supporting agriculture, we want to hear from you. Let's harvest success together. First Farmers Bank and Trust, member FDIC, equal opportunity lender. In Indiana, there isn't a country road, county highway, or interstate where you don't pass a farm. I'm Bruce Kettler, President and CEO of the Agribusiness Council of Indiana. Those of us involved in agribusiness understand the importance of our industry. ACI exists to advocate for the needs of our members and the whole of Indiana agribusiness at the State House and beyond. We hope you'll join us. Visit our website, inagribiz.org, to get your membership started today. The Agribusiness Council of Indiana, strengthening and connecting Indiana agribusiness. The plans to grow Purdue's College of Veterinary Medicine and an update on the USDA's Federal Milk Marketing Order Program. I'm C.J. Miller, and this is Hoosier Ag Today. You've been hearing a lot lately about labor shortages impacting the ag industry, but one major area of concern is the growing shortage of veterinarians. Some studies have suggested that by 2030, we'll be short in this country about 15,000 veterinarians. So not just a shortage of vets in rural America, but veterinarians everywhere. And that's Dr. Willie Reed, the dean of Purdue University's College of Veterinary Medicine. He says one of Purdue's plans to increase the number of qualified veterinarians is to increase the enrollment into their veterinary college. Currently, the university seats 84 new students each year out of 1,800 who apply. Our plan is to grow it to 120. That's an ambitious goal, but we think we can do it. In fact, we're using some facilities that were designed for 50 students. When the college first opened in 1959, the plan was to accept 50 students per class. And we've inched that number up to 84, and we cannot inch it up anymore. Reed says before Purdue can bump up that number. We have to make some more modifications to our facilities and be able to accommodate uh, more students. He says that Purdue's new veterinary medical hospital that opened in 2022 has already helped to expand the program. It's a wonderful facility, and our students, they love it. Uh, Our clients love it because it uh, allows us to uh, deliver veterinary services in a way that we've never been able to. So it's a great resource for the state of Indiana as we produce more Indiana vets. We uh, have a wide range of capability that you won't find in any other veterinary facility in the state. Reed says the university is also working to train more students to become support staff at vet clinics across the U.S. If veterinary practices can increase their efficiencies, then they can see more patients, more clients. And so at Purdue, we're very fortunate that we have embedded 
in our Doctor of Veterinary Medicine program, in our college, a veterinary technician program. So we, we pride ourselves on training the veterinary team, uh, the veterinarian and the veterinary technician to work together to solve the animal health problems. You can hear my full conversation with Dr. Willie Reed, the dean of Purdue's College of Veterinary Medicine, at HoosierAgToday.com. Well, dairy producers have been at odds recently with the USDA over the federal milk marketing order program that sets the minimum prices that dairy farmers receive for their milk. Sabrina Halverson has an update now on the latest development between the USDA and the nation's milk producers. The federal milk marketing order hearing is now finished and the USDA is considering more than 12,000 pages of testimony as it formulates its plan for FMMO modernization. The National Milk Producers Federation continues to do what it can to ensure that proposal best reflects the interest of dairy farmers and their cooperatives. We feel that we presented a very good hearing record. Half the room was full of basically USDA-related people. Vice President for Economic Policy and Market Research, Dr. Peter Vitaliano. Communications between USDA and the industry are very limited just to procedural things. Still, he says he's comfortable that members will get a decision that they're able to, quote, live with. But nobody, he says, is going to get everything they want. USDA is going to give each of the major parties a little something. The final result will be a market improvement over what we have now. Federal order pricing formulas, which is the only thing this whole hearing was about, uh, have basically maintained, by and large, a fixed structure of the dairy industry. And over the 25 years or so that those formulas have been in effect, the industry has changed considerably. The formulas are now increasingly out of step with what the industry looks like. Our proposals are to bring those formulas up to match where the industry is now and where it will be going forward. Read more at HoosierAgToday.com. I'm Sabrina Halverson. And I'm C.J. Miller, Hoosier Ag Today, Indiana's Farm Network. Farm Credit Mid-America believes that your crop insurance should be maximized to address what's important to you. With their data-optimized decision tool, you can build a policy custom-fit to your operation's goals. Using your past production data, their tool, which they have exclusive access to in their territory, maps out future events, helping you choose the perfect policy time, coverage level, and options for you, all guided by their crop insurance agents. To learn more, visit fcma.com crop insurance. Farm Credit Mid-America is an equal opportunity provider. The High Ground Podcast. Everything from energy and fuel. It's a Memorial Day weekend, going to be 87 to 89, maybe low 90s all weekend. So we thought we'd bring Scott Heine in. So we'll talk about home heat. <laughs> <laughs> to agriculture. Anytime we can help a farmer grow their business and meet their goals, that's a proud moment for me. And, well, other things. For some reason, like and subscribe. We don't know why, but that's important. We want you to do it on your own, but we're going to tell you. <laughs> Listen now on all platforms. I'm Chief Meteorologist Ryan Martin with Hoosier Ag Today's Indiana Farm Forecast. We're looking at the mostly calm day today, being a lead into a little bit of precipitation for tomorrow. Here's what's going on. Look back west through your Wednesday. We're going to be seeing some moisture work through South Dakota, eventually breaking out late afternoon and evening in the southern parts of Minnesota and Iowa. Through the overnight tonight into tomorrow, this gets closer, so I think we're looking at clouds increasing here in anticipation of that event coming in. But most of our moisture is going to be breaking out in the pre-dawn hours of tomorrow morning, going right on through Thursday. At this point, the bulk of the heavier activity is farther north over Michigan. There could be a nice 
wingspan of some accumulating snow across central Michigan, for example. Down in Indiana, I think we're looking at lots of clouds and mostly some light snow and flurry activity with some cold rain potentially mixing in. You get south of I-70, that could be where that is. We don't look for this snow flurry action to accumulate much. You might see flakes on grassy surfaces or cars, insulated surfaces. You get the idea, but it's not a big event here. Temperatures are going to turn much colder behind our precipitation tomorrow, not during it. So that's what we're looking at here. Again, a few hundreds to a tenth or two of liquid equivalent is all that's coming this way. By the time we get to tomorrow late afternoon, action is done, and we'll actually start to see high pressure build in. Cooler temperatures, like we already said, then for Thursday night, Friday, a secondary surge of cold air coming across for Friday afternoon into Saturday. So I'm looking for us to be well below normal on temperatures Friday night, Saturday, and the first part of Sunday. Quite chilly. It hasn't been this cold for a while, but it's a quick moving little system. We'll see south winds start to move up through the Great Plains already Sunday morning to midday. So I think by Sunday afternoon, we'll start to see winds shift here, and that will signal some moderating temperatures. Getting into next week, our temperatures are mild Monday, Tuesday. Little disturbance trying to move out of the Missouri Valley across the Ohio and Tennessee valleys likely triggers a little bit of light rain here and there, but coverage over Indiana may not be any more than about 25-30% and most of it down south. You get into the Wednesday-Thursday time frame, significant surge of warm air after clouds come through Wednesday, and we're going to be quite mild and above normal to finish the week Thursday afternoon, Friday, Saturday, and on into the following weekend. Lots of warm air headed towards us. That's a look at your forecast update. I'm meteorologist Ryan Martin. Flat in corn and wheat and a little bit of loss in the bean market. This is Hoosier Ag Today. I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Farm Market Review. Settlements from a rather wild day in the markets, with the exception of the grains and oil seeds coming up. We begin, though, with market analysis. I got that from Arlen Suderman at the end of trade. Arlen with Stonex. An interesting Tuesday started off with the inflation data and we had some really wild market reaction to that the equities sharply lower and the dollar index sharply higher the ag markets though relatively it would seem unscathed by everything happening around us during the trading session yeah frankly i was surprised with the strength of the dollar we had that we didn't go lower i was pleasantly surprised that we did not in fact the various markets traded positive at times during the day i think the biggest positive right now helping hold us up if you will is the fact that prices are already so low and the speculative managed funds already have such large short or sold positions but they're getting nervous about adding to those, particularly with geopolitical risks increasing in both the Black Sea and the Red Sea, where they know that any headline could at any point cause a short covering of the funds trying to get out of those short positions. And that has end users nervous as well. So periodically we get some buying, um, but there's nothing else fundamentally really to support a sustained rally at this point. And we have farmers on both sides of the equator here in the United States, as well as in Brazil, who are undersold looking for rallies to sell. And so that's probably going to limit the upside short of one of those big short covering headlines until the farmer gets the crop more sold, and then it'll be easier to sustain a rally in this market. 
The weak side leader was the soybean market, and is there any particular reason why it was lower throughout the trading session, even while corn and wheat worked right around even and certainly the high side at times? Yeah, this is a market that's really struggling because the harvest is progressing at a good speed in Brazil. And it, at this point, we see no evidence that it's going to be a short enough crop to justify turning around our export picture. We saw USDA cut exports by 35 million bushels last week in last week's crop report. More cuts may be coming. We have had a couple of weeks now of a good shipments, but we anticipate those shipments are going to slow down dramatically as we get into the month of March based on the bookings at this point as uh, China really shifts almost entirely to uh, Brazilian supplies. I do expect crush uh, USDA's crush target to get revised upward as we go forward. Unfortunately, not enough at this point to offset the decline in exports. Cattle and hogs mostly lower as well. Did they get caught up in the selling? They did. The strong dollar really hurts their export demand, makes it tougher to compete on the world market. That's a factor for the protein sector and wheat. Those are the products that are most sensitive to uh, currency exchange rates. Uh, also, when you look at the cattle market, we're seeing slower chain speeds uh, because uh, cattle processing margins are really getting uh, compressed right now. Uh, we saw one packer last week that was slowing the chain speed. We'll have at least one more slowing the chain speed this week, and that's reducing demand for cattle. Let's talk a little bit more about that inflation data, if you don't mind, and the impact on the equity market, the dollar, how that all works, and crude oil escaping all of that seemingly, probably from some Mideast tensions ongoing. Yeah, absolutely. Crude oil did see some firming of geopolitical risk, particularly there's a report that the U.S. rejected a ceasefire offer um, that was put out in the Middle East. And uh, as we saw last week when Israel rejected a ceasefire offer, um, we saw more buying of crude oil, and that's starting to give us some technical chart-related strength as well. The consumer price index now is surprised to the upside for two months in a row, this being the January data. Previously, it was the December data. And the biggest and it did so at a time when energy prices were going down we saw some significant decreases in energy prices in january and in february they've been going up as we already talked about here so if you add what is the cause of this upside surprise in in the cpi and consumer price index it really comes down to food uh, it comes down to shelter costs. It comes down to transportation costs. Those are seeing some significant increases. And the services sector in particular is really moving higher, contributed with wage inflation. And now if you would add higher energy prices to that, we could start seeing a rebound of inflation. And that's got to be a concern to the Federal Reserve and suggest that uh, we're not going to see a rate cut anytime soon. And it really makes you wonder if ever, we've really seen a, a kind of a flattening out of the decline of inflation where we've kind of started plateauing and it can't go any lower ever since we cut 
um, we quit cutting interest or we quit increasing interest rates. And so uh, that has to raise the question, might we need to raise interest rates again rather than cut them? Arlen Suderman, Chief Commodities Economist at StoneX and StoneX.com. Settlements now up just a little in the corn market. March ends at 430 and three quarters, a quarter cent higher. And May 443 and a quarter up three quarters of a point. Down six and three quarters on the March beans, 11.86 and a quarter, and the May contract, 11.91 and three quarters, a six cent loss. Unchanged March wheat, 5.97 and a half. May goes down two and a quarter, 5.97. And the meats lower. April live cattle, 185.10, 82 lower. But a quiet day in the hog market. April, 81.07, a nickel down. I'm Andy Eubank with the Tuesday Market Review. This is Who's Your Ag Today, Indiana's leading farm network.